<laughs> what hair? Hey. Stone's Glass House, I, I was talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to SwitchCast Live. I am your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars, GT Vault, and two-time overall Cannonball Run record holder. My goal on SwitchCast is to never be the smartest guy in the room. Probably the fastest guy. Definitely the most humble. But uh, each week, we're going to have a new guest co-host coming from all different walks of life. They probably won't be famous. You may have never heard of them, uh, but I strongly believe that some of the most talented and influential and interesting car people are not the ones with tattoos and publicists, but the ones that are quietly living their lives uh, hanging out with cars. So, um, welcome to the show, and our guest this week is Myron Vernus. And if you would like to ask questions of us, talk with us, uh, you can call in live. Our number is 216-294-4124. You can also post your questions in the comment flow wherever you are watching us. So uh, my goal here is for it to be more of an interaction than an interview. I've got some questions for Myron. We do have a lot of questions uh, queued up, ready for him. But if you call in or ask your question live, you will get priority over those questions. As long as it's not too tough. No, no tough no, questions. I, no, we'll, we'll, take any, uh, we'll take any curveballs. My guest tonight is Myron Vernus. He is a local staple in the car community. He's best known on the interwebs. Uh, the grams of Insta as Junkman356. He is quite possibly the master of eclectic car collecting to the point that half of his cars that I saw I didn't even know existed until I got to tour his warehouse. Myron is also currently on the board of the Crawford Auto Museum or has served on the board. Yeah, still am. Yep, yep. Uh, 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 historical uh, auto aviation and history museum in Cleveland. So he has a wealth of knowledge about cars that many of us have never even heard of. Well, you know, the ones you haven't heard of probably should have never been built in the first place. So yeah, that's well, you would know better than anyone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so again, we're going to, we're going to have a conversation with Myron. We're going to ask him questions. If you would like to call in live 216-294-4124 is the number. You know, I get a bad rap. I have normal cars, too, right? I've got a 67 Country Squire, and I have a well, 67 Country Squire. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you left me open for a joke, and then you closed the door. Yeah, yeah. You said you have got a bad rap, and I, oh, I got a bad sandwich the other day, too. <laughs> there you go. But I sent it back. Oh, man, we are off to a good start. Uh. <laughs> I think it's going to be a battle of, to prove who's, going to, who's not the smartest person in the room. Uh, I, th I think I've won that one already. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Myron, give me a little bit of background on yourself. You are not uh, a car aficionado by profession. It is a hobby for you. So who are you? What is your background? How did you get here? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, and uh, i got to remember what I've told people in the past and try to recreate that. But, uh, <laughs> Make yeah, sure it no, lines up. You know, I'm not in the business, never have been in the business, and please, those of you that uh, send in technical questions, 
don't direct them to me because, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not a mechanic whatsoever. I think that's why I have cars that a lot of people <laughs> haven't heard of because I kind of make stuff up. I'm blessed to have a really good friend who's in my shop who takes care of uh, my cars for me, Lynn Smith. He's an absolute mm-hmm. mechanical genius. So uh, just lucky to have good friends like you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, my, my mom never drove. My dad hated cars. I grew up in Greece till I was five years old, a country that is like the most car-unfriendly place. I mean, it's a wonderful place, but not a place where you want to have cars, um, even though I have a handful of cars there. In um, Greece. <laughs> in Greece. <laughs> including a three-wheeled British-engineered Greek-made car, which is like what? the scintillating uh, you know, blend that you should never have. <laughs> um, so uh, we moved back here when I was five. My folks said I used to sit on the balcony of our apartment and just kind of watch cars all day long. And I'd sneak downstairs and try to convince the baker who had a Jeep to take me for riding his Jeep. And uh, just kind of grew up loving cars. And my dad, even though he hated cars. He would tolerate my, my problems. And, you know, every September, we were talking back in the 60s. So, you know, when the new car introductions were still kind of a big thing, mm-hmm. he would take me to all the car dealers and I'd collect all the brochures and stuff like that. So it just kind of grew up from there. And, okay. and my first job, I, I, I was, most of my career was spent in the country club industry, even though I'm not a golfer. But my first job there was uh, as a valet, <laughs> and probably still probably the best job I ever had in my life. I think that's most car guys' dream job at some point or another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm just fortunate that the manager, when he interviewed me, didn't ask me if I had a driver's license. You, know, you my didn't. Da- my dad had to drive me to work because I didn't have a driver's license. But you could, you could drive stick, but you didn't have a driver's license. Well, you know, I learned to drive stick on a 350SL on the job. And, and, <laughs> That's what and, every customer wants yeah, to Yeah, yeah, no, and he saw me too. Yeah, they, there was no tip on that. On that. Oh man. One. <laughs> <laughs> I, I slip sliding away. Yeah, there goes that clutch. Ah, older cars are maybe a little bit more forgiving though. Uh, when it comes to that, no, I think newer cars are more forgiving. It's much easier to drive a, a stick on a modern car. I okay. Think. Yeah, the old cars there. I was driving, our, I have a 58 Corvette, a custom 58 Corvette, and I was driving it yesterday, and we were putting the cars away for the winter, and, you know, it was it was embarrassing, some of the patches in the grass that I, I like. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many cars, uh, this is a two-part question, how many cars have you owned, how many cars are in your current stable? You know, I told my ma- my wife that this wasn't going to be live, so I can kind of give you some accurate answers. <laughs> you know, Ballpark. I, I know I've owned over 400 cars. Good golly. Um, and now in the 75 to 80 range. Currently. Yeah, currently, yeah. With most of them running and driving. Okay. Right. Yeah. And you have them all primarily at one facility? Majority of them are, yeah, at, in the big garage in Talmadge, Ohio, then have about a half dozen out for restoration really all around the world, and about a half dozen or so in Greece. Have you ever lost track of or forgotten that you had a car? Yeah, more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> Fortunately, my youngest daughter's a lawyer, Yeah, and she's really, really into cars, so uh, she keeps pretty good track of, of what's hanging out there. <laughs> but but I get a call every once in a while from, from a friend somewhere, hey, did you know that this car existed in the States? Oh, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I once bought a uh, Corvette C6 RS from a guy who forgot he had it. Do you know what that is? Mm, no. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I stumped Myron already. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, a, that's, it's a it's a modern obscure car. It's a C6. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, built by Pratt and Miller. It has a K Tech 8.2 liter naturally aspirated V8 in it. I said normally aspirated the other day on Binwicky and got all sorts of um, hate, but I think it's either one. We car guys can go back and forth on that. But I digress. 8.2 liter V8, 600 horsepower, 600 foot pounds wow. of torque, and it's all carbon fiber body. It's a replica of uh, the C6 RS. Not C6, it is a C6. The C6R. It's mm-hmm. a C6R Risker. body panels in carbon fiber, full Alcantara interior. It was about $180,000 for the conversion plus a donor Z06. Wow. And they made seven of them. Wow. So I got an email from a broker one time that. And on his list of 20 cars, they had this Corvette Pratt & Miller thing. They didn't even know what it was. And I, I said, I think I know what that is. It's got to be a C6 RS. And I called him up, and sure enough, it was. It had 600 miles on it, and it was in storage in Arizona. And I flew out to inspect it and come to find out that it was Bob Parsons' car, the owner of GoDaddy, and they were doing their annual financial review and on his list of assets, there was this car. And I'm sure he had lots of cars, but he said, what's this you know, $120,000 thing <laughs> doing in, in the line item of my assets? He said, oh, that's that, that Corvette you have in storage. He goes, get rid of it. Okay. No so, yeah, well, I was the beneficiary of that one. I should have never sold it like so many others. But uh, you, you know, I had all these cars, but I'd never owned a Corvette till two years ago. What when what that, do you have? Well, that fifty eight. It's a George Barris full custom fifty eight oh, Corvette. Yeah. I I never owned, and George was a friend, and I had never owned a Barris custom, and I never owned a Corvette. So when this became available, I figured out kill two birds with one stone. And uh, since then, I've got another Barris car. This uh, just this past spring, I acquired a car called the Bugazi. Bugazi. Uh, yeah. I've heard of that. So what is it? Customized. Uh, Continental Mark IV. Yeah. That, okay. that he tried to sell for twice yep. the price of a Rolls Royce in 72. Yep. And is George Bear still alive? No, no. He passed away six years ago. Okay. Yeah. Just okay. last week, I think, the anniversary. Um, for those born after like 1990, why is George Barris such a big deal? Well, you know, George Barris was. You know, they, they call him the king of customizers. He, mm-hmm. he probably wasn't the greatest customizer. You know, he and his brother were in business in Southern California, customizing cars in the 50s, in the early 50s. His brother was a real artist, but George was really the guy who was the marketing genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, custom cars are a thing now because of the marketing work that George did right. back in the day. And uh, then his brother left left the, the operation in the late 50s, and George kind of got a shtick with customizing, doing light customization work to the Hollywood uh, stars, mm-hmm. cars, yep. and then building movie cars, like the Batmobile and, and things like that, right. the Munstermobile. Right. So that that's kind of where he made his thing. But he was really the greatest spokesperson for the custom car yeah. industry. Yeah. I, I think everyone's heard his name in conjunction with cars over the years, but doesn't realize all of the history of it. And I only include myself in knowing the history of it because one of my customers was a big time car guy in that era out in Southern California and Hawaii. And he was a good friend with George Barris. And so he knew him. Um, you know, I think I have a picture of him in my office, some frame picture of George Barris, but anyway, I digress once again. Uh, how did you sort of answer this a little bit, uh, when you said that your dad was not into cars 
but how? No, did, no, no. He hated cars. Okay, fine. The worst I was, I was kind. The worst kind. kind of evil. I mean, they were. But like, he supported you in that. He was a good dad. He was a that, great dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. D- despite the fact that he didn't like cars. He yeah, was, yeah. Couldn't have asked for better. I read Pokemon to my boy, and I can't <laughs> yeah. stand it. He can probably hear the, yeah, the derision in my voice as I'm reading it. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to force him into to what I like. So that that is a good dad. How did you get the infection, the love for cars? Yeah, not a clue. I, I it re- just happened. It's a question I, I just you know, can't. I've, I started at three years old in a country that hated cars. So, yeah, there's really no... I can't explain it. It just happened. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That, that was about it for me. Why do I have brown eyes? Maybe yeah. Why right. am I bald? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Neither of my parents were really into cars. My mom was a little bit, but I, I would be spotting cars on road trips from the earliest age I can remember. It was yeah. just there. Yeah. My dad was into boats and yeah. So that happened. Did you did you envision becoming a car collector? Or did this just kind of spiral out of control? Yeah, never. No, it just kind of, <laughs> over time, just kind of, <laughs> oh, what the heck happened here? Yeah, it never did. I, you know, I, I still have, the first car I ever bought was a Porsche 356B Coupe. Okay, yep. Um, bought it 46 years ago, and I still have it. So that car stayed with me through thick and did thin. Did you buy it new? No, no, it was 12 years I old. I can't do I math that quickly. Yeah, no, it was 12 years old when I bought it. It was 1500 bucks because it had a fresh paint job and a rebuilt engine. <laughs> uh, you know, I could find them all day long for seven hundred bucks, but they were shabby looking. So yeah, and I tell you yeah. how how much my dad hated cars was I had fifteen. I, it was fifteen hundred bucks. I, I just finished my freshman year of school, college, and I had nine hundred bucks to my name. And I rode my bike home after I negotiated the deal on the car, and asked my dad for a six hundred dollar loan, and he refused. <laughs> he said no, and uh, I rode Once my bike again. A good yeah. dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rode my bike back, negotiated a payment plan with the guy. <laughs> you know, I was a valet. I was making, you know, two, three hundred bucks a week in tips. That's, and I'd pull that money bank. Down. Yeah. That's bank. Oh, back Some then, people back don't make 70s? that now. Oh, shoot. Back in the... It's, and, Holy cow. I'd say tax-free, but that would have been that would have been illegal. So Right. It um, would have been. Yeah. So, uh, and ironically, uh, between the time I paid it off and got it home, my dad got sick, went into the hospital, and passed away. Oh man! And never saw the car, but you know, kind of on his deathbed, you know, he 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 told me two things. He was a jeweler. That was his, his that was his business. He had a jewelry store, and electric watches, quartz watches, were just coming out. So he told me two things to remember. He said, "Never wear a watch you can't wind, and never buy a car you can't pay cash for." And uh, those are like the only two things I've ever stuck with. I probably should have listened to everything in the world he ever told me. But I was nineteen and a lot smarter that, than he was. That's at the good time. advice. I have I have. One watch with a battery, and I haven't worn it in like six months because I'm too lazy to replace the battery. Yeah. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly agree with the pay cash for your toys. So, yeah, or really everything. Uh, Dave Ramsey plug in there. So uh, you have a lot of obscure or maybe even insignificant cars, but many of these may just haven't like caught wind that they haven't been appreciated by the wider car community yet and one of those in particular um i I am getting to the point here i promise that wasn't appreciated when you bought it but then was is the porsche 901 cabriolet 
that you had. It is a one-of-one prototype for those of you that don't know. I'm going to Porsche nerd out for a moment here. Uh, When Porsche released their flagship car in 1964, it was dubbed the 901, and they had to change the name to 911 because Peugeot sold, Peugeot sued them because Peugeot had the copyright on any three-digit numeric model name that had a zero in the middle, a not. So they had to change the name to 911. That's why it's called that. So they had uh, one prototype in 64 Cabriolet. That was it. And they didn't make a production one for almost two decades later. I think it was 82 or 83. I think introduced in 82 for an 83 model. Yeah, of the 911 SC. It was Mm -hmm. the last year of the 911 SC, first actual cabriolet they made targas all through there and they made the soft window targa in the late 60s but that was a there's a 20-year gap between myron's cabriolet prototype and a production car yeah and and actually my car when they made the decision not to do the cabriolet in 64 they used it as a target development car so it was one hmm. of two target development cars how did you get that car you know it's kind of an interesting story um i the owner of the car who'd had it since is a huge collector just north of Stuttgart um, had a mutual friend of mine in California uh, Dave Ossie Ossie Brothers they had a Porsche only wrecking yard in Anaheim okay They're legendary um, is that like the LA dismantlers of the past yeah the LA dismantlers I think kind of got their start with with uh, Ossie Brothers when they okay. sold out so uh the guy was looking for a Carrera 2 Coupe, a Porsche 63 Carrera 2 Coupe, because he had an engine. So my friend from California, the guy in Germany speaks no English. I speak no German. So he calls the guy. And my friend in California calls me and says, hey, you're, you're, I know you're really involved in the 356 hobby. My friend is looking for, you know, a 63 Carrera 2 Coupe. And uh, I said, yeah, I happen to have one. It doesn't have a Carrera engine in it. I said, what, does he have a number that he's looking for? I said, yeah, but it, don't worry. I said, just ask me. No. Well, I had the car. <laughs> I had, he had the original engine to my car. Oh, man. Yeah, it was ordered new by Swiss Royalty. It was a pretty cool car, nice original car. Bought it in Lorain County. <laughs> Actually, traded. I traded a, a... So your original engine was in Germany? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I had... The car was a nice original car, original paint, um, royal blue, really good looking car with a pushrod motor, running and driving car that I had traded a, a Porsche 356 uh, Roadster race car for. Um, so once we found out that he had the original engine, I told him I didn't want to sell it because I was driving the car. It was a daily driver for mm-hmm. me. But I knew he had a huge collection. I said, throw me some trade things. And he sent me like a half dozen cars. And this is the one that interested me most because it was an original car, never been on the market anywhere. Mm-hmm. He had a business. He had kind of a Porsche parts and wrecking business where the guys from Porsche, he knew Porsche, you know, people at low levels of Porsche. So mm-hmm. the guys that were taking stuff to the scrapyards <laughs> would kind of turn left <laughs> and and he would end up, you know, and he would pay Porsche. This is the best kind of connection. Yeah, yeah, Porsche would get their scrap money and these guys would get a little beer money on the side and it yeah. worked out well for everyone. So he yeah. had this car since 66 and had never been on the market. That's amazing. I, it's difficult to fathom because... In our modern world, stuff like that just doesn't escape. Well, he wasn't too internet savvy. Uh, in fact, we never, we never. Spoke. Well, I mean, from from the manufacturer, the fact oh, that you no, would no, have. No, I mean, that, no, that doesn't happen. But you know, it's like 
all those cars that Joe Bortz has, the GM uh, concept cars that he got mm-hmm. out, of, out of War Hoops, uh, yeah. you know, junkyard. Yeah. Same thing. You know, everybody back in the 50s and 60s, you know, they were just garbage. Throw them away. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the Mustang Mach 3, which was the concept for, uh, was it the SN95 body style, I think? Um, I remember that came up at an auction 15, 20 years ago, and it sold for next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe that it wasn't being kept by Ford. I always thought it was really cool, but I guess they have so many concept cars over the years that a lot of them just don't matter anymore. Yeah, they do liquidations every once in a while. Yeah. I got one a few years ago, a long time ago, actually just resold recently by Meekum. It was a Continental Mark Eight that Ford had used to do a Bonneville Salt Flats uh, record run with. And it ran, they kept the record for like eight years. It beat a 928 for the record too, which was really kind of (laughs) cool. But you look at it and it's just kind of a gold Mark 8, right? You know, Matt Farrow calls it Jewish racing gold, you know, (laughs) like 3,000 miles on it. But inside it had a fully padded in leather roll cage and crazy suspension tweaks and stuff like that. Wow. Does... So I know you sold the 901 a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Does Did Porsche buy it back? No, no. Sold it to a friend of a friend in London. Okay. Who has since resold it. He, it was going to be one of those forever cars. Yep. He turned down a lot more money than he paid me for it. He yep. paid me a lot of money for it, okay? But he also turned down a lot more sure. than he paid me for it. And then ended up selling it... Uh, it, at the RM auction in Paris a yep. few years ago. Okay. Yeah. For, okay. I didn't. So you sold it prior to that. Mm-hmm. That wasn't your sale. Right. No, mine was a private sale. Okay. Yeah. And it really it wasn't for sale. It was he. He knew I had the car and mm-hmm. he contacted me about it. And uh, the numbers just got right. And I had done everything. We had the car for 15 years. We drove it all over the place. That's awesome. We showed it at Pebble Beach. So it was. Uh, we had our fun with it. <laughs> From Pebble Beach to Radwood, you have done it all. Well, you know, Radwood's cool. Radwood's great. You know, what? one of the things about the hobby is, you know, I kind of get tired. Okay, I'm 66-year-old white guy, okay? <laughs> um, I, I hate hearing people say that young people don't care about cars, okay? They don't no, care. It's, it's different. It's different, right? Just like my generation didn't care about Model A's, right? Yeah. It's the fact that, you know, people in their 30s and 40s don't really care that much about 57 Chevys. It's okay. There are yeah. other cool cars out there. Yeah. I was thinking of this in the car the other day, and I thought it was a great profundity because everything that comes through my head in my mind is is brilliant. But trying to dissect what my generation of, of car lovers is relative to, you know, the old guard. And specifically in relation to you and the Crawford Auto Museum. And I think that it comes down a little bit to history. So your generation is more engrossed in history mm-hmm. in in all aspects, and you love history for the sake of history. And our generation only kind of cares about history to the extent that it enriches their own personal experience. So the cars that are historical that somehow uh, they're interested in or, you know, I, I don't know where to go from there. Yeah, but no, that, that was no, the thought I, that I came I know what mind. you're saying, but I think when my generation was your age, it was the same thing. Sure. I, I think, you know, if, if you're tied in, if you're into the cars that interest you now that, you know, were just important to you at right. the time and you stick with it as you mature and grow, 
you know, you're going to grow an interest into right. Duesenbergs and hot rods. O- only the great stuff, right? I yeah. mean, there's, I don't care yeah, what market sure. you're in, there's, there's bad stuff and good stuff. Right. The good stuff will always survive. And uh, I, I think we've all kind of gone through that same evolution. And I think the generation before mine did the same thing. Yeah. What I like about my generation of car guys, though, is, and, and it's funny because going to a Cars and Coffee is probably the most poignant way to describe this, is you go to a Cars and Coffee and it's mostly the the V-dub guys that, you know, riding on airbags and stuff, and then you got the exotics and, and stuff like that. So you get this interesting mix, but then you have the old school muscle car guys come out and they park their cars all in a row, put the hoods up, and then sit by themselves and wait for people to come look at, appreciate, and ask them questions about their cars. And that was the old school way of doing car shows. Mm -hmm. And now, even though we might be a little snotty about the type of cars that the, the young guys are bringing to the shows, they park their car and go look at other people's cars and talk with other people. And it's a much more engaging and like outwardly focused and appreciative environment i think and so I, I i appreciate my generation as much as i give them crap and make fun of millennials i think it's it's a it's a more uh selfless form of of car enthusiasm yeah yeah that format is really really good yeah but i find that engaging people and wanting to talk to people works everywhere it works at pebble beach too yeah right i mean last time we showed a car at pebble beach i took lynn my friend out there and I was standing at the front of the car. He was standing at the back. And we always had a crowd around us because we were there and we were willing to talk to people and we were willing to show them things and things like that, where the cars on either side of me were worth like three or four times what my car mm-hmm. was worth. And uh, n- not as many people around them because the exhi- the owners definitely weren't there. Yep. And yep. usually the handlers weren't there either. Mm-hmm. And it's all people want to be, be engaged, whether yeah. it, it doesn't matter what, what age you're in or whatever. So. Yeah. I, interesting you say that. Um, I worked for Bob Bear, a very mm. uh, oh, yeah. legendary car collector, yeah. Packard, world's most significant I, Packard I collection. Duesenberg. Yeah, Jeff Warwick. Yeah. Okay, yep. So I worked for him in high school. That was kind of a dream job. It would have been more of a dream job if they had Ferraris and Lamborghinis, but whatever. I learned to appreciate some of the older cars, and I got to go to uh, Greenwich Concours and Castle Hill Concours and some other car shows with them. And they would even take their cars to local shows just mm-hmm. to sure. give back to the community. Right. And Bob, granted, he was very advanced in age, so he wasn't up to it as much physically, but he would never go to the car shows. He would never drive the cars either. He had a folding chair that every now and then we'd be down there working on the cars, and he would come down and sit in his folding chair and just sit there for an hour looking at the cars, and then... Go back to the house. Made him happy. Yeah. Yeah. He was enjoying his cars. But for my part, I was glad that he never showed up and he sent cars because that meant I had a job and I got to experience all this stuff. So it was a great experience. All right. If you would like to ask Myron or myself a question, uh, I don't really have anything to talk about tonight. Myron is is the the guest of the hour. So if you want to ask about weird, obscure cars, you can call in to 216 Two nine four four one two four, or for the electronically savvy that uh, got your thumbs working, you can uh, t- type your question in the comment flow of wherever you are watching us live.
SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible, live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we are broadcasting this show live with our phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. This is for Myron. He's asking, why does a chicken coop have two doors? <laughs> yeah. That's Don't a, know? No, clueless. No, because if it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. Yeah, okay. Yes, thank you, Bob, for that question. Bob and water. All right. Back to the real questions. <laughs> okay, so we're we're gonna go. We're gonna take a hard left turn from a, we'll call it a million dollar, one off Porsche Cabriolet prototype, to the Buick Century. Mm, yeah, the Century. Yeah, the Century. So this is. Um, I'm struggling with my notes here, but it's somewhere here. This guy. Mark Bodie. Bodet. Bodet. Yeah. Bodet. That's. Hmm. He painted this Buick Century. So it's kind of along the lines of the BMW art cars or yeah. the Diablo SE30 that had, uh, that, what was the name? Christian Lassen painted the dolphins on. By the way, if anyone out there knows where that car is, I kind of want it. But it's, it's, it's a four door Century. Yeah, how, yeah. how did this happen? Who's Mark Bidet, and why did he paint a Buick Century? Well, you know, back to your comment about people my generation really kind of dig in history, right? Yeah. And combined with the history of when I was young. Um, when I was high school, college, there was a magazine called The National Lampoon. Mm-hmm. And there was a, like a full-page, sometimes two-page color cartoon called Cheech Wizard. And it was about this lecherous lizard. It was kind of a semi-pornographic uh, cartoon. It was always one of my favorites. And it was drawn by, uh, it was this lizard and some very voluptuous women. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Great colors. Um, it was drawn by, by Von Baudet. And uh, unfortunately, and he, he did some underground comics and things like that. You know, he was kind of an underground artist. He died at a very young age. Mark was his son and has kind of carried on the tradition, still mm -hmm. carries on the Cheech Wizard tradition. He is also in, in San Francisco. He's a well-known uh, graffiti artist, muralist, and okay. tattoo artist. Okay. And he did this car for a friend of his. In, all right. In two days. All, With graffiti? Like spray, spray paint? Oh, yeah, okay. all, all, all rattle cans, a okay. little bit of airbrush. And uh, in two days did the whole car. And swore they'll never do another car because he got a sunburn doing it. He did it in the guy's <laughs> driveway. <laughs> so I have the one and only Mark Baudet uh, art car. Oh my goodness! And, you know the the coolest thing about it. The coolest thing, you know. And I'm I'm blessed, you know, with, with my wife Kim. I, I know you've met her, but she yeah. is, yeah, she's the coolest, right? So I mean, she's got an SCCA license. She has a 928 and a couple Studebakers. And do you make when you when you want to buy a semi pornographic graffiti? grandma car do you text her a picture of it and say kim i'm thinking about this or do you just does it just show up 
you know, most of my purchases are asking for forgiveness, but she actually got to see this one before I bought it. This was like in the ancient days of eBay, right? When eBay was a place you could actually yeah. find a cool car. And I showed her, so she saw that I was bidding on it. Um, and, and yeah, what, what, she didn't have anything, any issues with it. Oh my she, She's so cool. How much did you have to pay for that car? Oh, I'll t- let me finish the story. Okay, I'm sorry. But no, it, the, what you didn't see is the interior is purple velour with uh, leopard, oh leopard print top. And she had a suit made for me in those materials. Oh, my Christmas goodness. Christmas. Yeah, so it's great. I got the big brim hat, the whole thing. Done, Has done this the car deal. ever been to Radwood? N- no, it should go to Radwood. I, right? Although Brad, with the Brad, suit. Brad has seen it. Brad's been to the shop, and oh he's seen goodness. it. My goodness. Yeah. You know, it was eBay. You, you know, I guess... I guess if I told you, wouldn't because right now it's like on on the lines of going on being a Warhol, you know, kind of right. Thing. No, right. It was it was like thirty three hundred bucks on eBay, <laughs> and you know with a, with oh, a thirty eight hundred engine, right? I mean that car's going to run forever. Oh my goodness! Oh man! So yeah, people, I I don't know that car is. Um, a, a friend of mine, Wishbone Extra Medium Social Club on Instagram. Yes, I admit to being friends with somebody with that handle, but he is a very talented uh, graffiti artist as well and all sorts of other mediums. And his comment to that car was, pimping really is easy. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> well, fantastic. We tried to get him to come out. We have a, a BMW E30 Lemons car, and I tried to convince him to come out and paint that in the style of a BMW art car, and that would be our theme for Lemons. Uh, But it never came to fruition. Maybe it still will at some point. So our our girls used to drive a different car to to, to school in high school every week. Their their school newspaper had a whip of the week kind of feature, so they they were like perennial winners. The only car they ever got in trouble with was uh, the Baudet uh, Buick. They got in trouble for driving that? Yeah, some of the feminists in the school weren't happy about it, and they went to the oh principal's office. So. <laughs> Did it still make Whip of the Week? They made Whip of the Week, <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> Maybe Whip of the Year. <laughs> what kind of license plate do you get for that? You know, I don't know if I have a legal license plate on Oh, no, yeah, I've got a regular Ohio tag on it. But if you're going to get a vanity plate... Yeah, you know, I'm not big on vanity. Pl- I don't think any of my cars have vanity plates. Now, my, well, it my wife's gets Subaru expensive a, when you have 80 yeah, of them. Yeah, well, my wife's car has a vanity plate. My daughter's car has a vanity plate. No, I don't have any tags on any of my cars. Man, I feel like the Century deserves some sort of some sort of vanity Man, let, plate. Let's do a competition. Yeah. People can send in their suggestions. Yeah, all right, there you go. Send in your suggestions for the Mark Baudet uh, pornographic Buick and uh, we'll get you an extra medium t-shirt. How's we'll that? get you we'll get you an extra medium t-shirt for for the the winning vanity plate suggestion uh, brought to you. Oh no no, even better. We will have Celebrity Machines our sponsor make up a uh, replica of the plate. You'll get a one-off replica awesome. plate awesome. that matches the plate that is on the 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 porno grandma Buick. Uh, Jay Fennel asked does it bounce up and down? Does it bounce up and down? And no, no, there's not. No. It, it is. It, it's all show and no go. <laughs> only if the shocks are worn <laughs> yeah, out, right? <laughs> Although you know, about the only thing that is really they're little they're little Buddha valve stem caps. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, 
have cemented myself by not knowing who Mark Baudet was to, to not knowing much of anything about art. But I've learned that the artist certainly matters more than the medium, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, no but doubt. But two, you probably saw both of the 911 art cars that sold mm-hmm. on Bring a Trailer. One of them sold for 72, the other one for 135. I think that was probably the artist. They were different artists more than the medium. So, with that said, if this guy is is a legend, Racing Ron speculates that this one will pull an easy 250 grand on BAT. What do you think? You know, I I wouldn't take 250 for it. You wouldn't take 250 no, grand. Heck no. So, okay. Yeah. So you're not your answer to him would be not this century? Well, tell tell <laughs> not this century. Uh You've got a 66-year-old brain you're working with here. That's okay. <laughs> Slow or quick, nobody appreciates my jokes. My five-year-old goes, Papa, you're not funny at all. So he's he's right. Uh, we have a live in-studio question from, it looks like Mark. Mark, you want to come up to the mic, stand a little closer, about six inches away, and ask your Is question. that good enough? That's wonderful. Man, okay. you have a wonderful voice Man, already. beautiful. My wow. mom always says I got a face for radio, so. Yes. My question we to you, because I'm a huge fan right of now. yours, uh, do you have any cars you regret not buying? Oh, yeah. Quite, I, I, yeah. Well, you know, I think the perfect example is uh, one of my best friends. I Actually, I should plug my book, too. A friend and I just finished a, a big book on Japanese cars. Ooh. Uh, but uh, as opposed to a book on big Japanese cars, you know, there's some big Japanese cars in there too. That would so, be a, so it would is, be a is, small book. It yeah. is both. <laughs> it's a it's a big book on Japanese cars and a book on big <laughs> Japanese cars. Um, but for years, we always said we both wanted a 959, and we said oh. for years, ah, it'll always be two hundred fifty thousand bucks. It'll always be two hundred fifty thousand bucks. And for years, they were two hundred fifty thousand bucks. Yeah. And then the next day, they were a million bucks. So, I, I think that's kind of that's one. Um, on the other end, you know, one that I didn't want to buy for the that I, I, I lusted after for a long time and finally pulled the trigger on one was an Alpha Montreal, and I regret buying that. So, you know, and and even though my kids say it's still the most the coolest car I've ever owned, but uh, yeah, nine fifty nine is probably the biggest regret for not buying. Mm-hmm. I have a follow up question to that. And I'm maybe a little bit sensitive to this because I feel like in the last year specifically, but over time, values have risen astronomically on cars. And people express a lot of regret, not because necessarily they wanted the car, but because the car went up in value. And you clarify, I mean, you did say, okay, well, they were 250, now they're a million. You are a genuine car guy, and I don't ask you this to set you up, but maybe to differentiate or or clarify the difference between regretting missing out on a car because of the lost appreciation in terms of profit, or do you regret it because you wanted that car because you loved it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, the appreciation, listen, I, I've benefited by appreciation, and I've sold cars before that don't regret any of, the, any of those right. things, right? No, I wanted the car, and I'm just not in a position where I would, I would, or I guess I could, but uh, I would that I would spend a million bucks on right. a car. Right, just not there for me. You'd I, have to I, sell like sixty-five of your cars. <laughs> to, 
Well, no, yeah, you or, could or just, the Bode Buick, yeah, you know, just for, sell that. <laughs> Somebody out. Does anybody want a straight right, up what, trade? What was the guy's name again? Let's give him a call. <laughs> Race and run. <laughs> Race and run. I, he has like Vipers or stuff. Maybe you can. Well, you, you know what? I'm, like, I'm looking for a first year Viper. There you go. Yeah. 90, I, I, 92. 92. Yeah. 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 If Race and Ron wants to, wants to trade me a 92 trade. Viper. 92 Viper. Yeah. We're going to make deals here. I get 10% of, of the uh, arbitrary assigned value. Happy. Happy to do that. Um, yeah. Race and Ron, he wants to trade 92 Viper for, for the, the bodacious Buick. Oh, man. Bode, <laughs> Bode. Bodacious. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's your license plate. Bodacious. We got it. We got it. No, I win no, the no, competition. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, switch cars. Question of the day because this podcast is brought to you by Switch Cars. They're a wonderful high-end sports car dealership right here in Twinsburg, and we are filming in their studio. Thank you very much, Switch Cars. You can use the code uh, SwitchCast to get ten percent off of your merchandise order on ShopSwitchCars.com. So if you want any of our cool T-shirts or license plate frames. You can go there and get one. And the question of the day is going to win a T-shirt of their choice. But I guess the theme tonight is extra medium. So it has to be in, in the size extra medium. The question of the day is from Water Cooled Collector. How does Myron pick his cars? Is it just finding wacky cars? Or is it cars that you're familiar with from your childhood? Yeah, nothing from the childhood. No, no nostalgia. No, there is. I grew up. You grew wrong, up in Greece. Uh, well, yeah, or, or you know, in, in elementary school, high school, on the wrong side of Akron. Right. And there were no cool cars around, right? People were <laughs> lucky to have cars. So, no, I've, I have no... I have, listen, I take that back. I bought one car that's nostalgic. My dad, I told you, hated cars. But of all the cars he owned, there was one car that he absolutely loved. It was a 1949 uh, Lincoln Cosmopolitan Town Sedan. One year only, big tub, kind of body style. So kind of, you know, Packard's, mm -hmm. so like so the 48, 49 Packard, you know, the big bathtub style. Lincoln did that for one year with a fast back body style. So he always he always regretted getting rid of that car. He he hated every other car in the world. So by, I ended up finding one, yeah. an original, a rust-free, original paint car that I ended up buying. But that's the only car I've ever bought for nostalgia, and it's because of my dad. Right. Um, no, listen, it, it's history. I, I really dig history and, mm -hmm. and the unique history and kind of the quirky, you know, aspects sure. of history. So the, Well, the, the quirky cars have probably the best history from the perspective of the stories of their owners because typically they're out there and underfunded and invent all sorts of ways to, to make their automotive dreams happen. John DeLorean is a great example yeah, of that. Yeah. Like th there's so much... There's so many stories behind them. Right. And even even the big manufacturers, like there's, there's a car that I'm looking at right now that's it's called an Arna, an okay. Alfa Romeo Arna. It was for three or four years, Alfa Romeo and Nissan did a joint venture. Alfa Romeo didn't have, this is mid-80s, they didn't have a compact car. The economy wasn't so good, they decided they needed a compact car. So they did a joint venture where they used Nissan... Sentra, Sunny, Pulsar, you name it, depending on the market. So like we call them Nissan Sentra here, bodies. And they put Alfa Romeo flat four <laughs> engines in them. And they built a special plant in Italy to do it. Okay, so, I mean, I mean, the dumbest thing in the world, right? Instead of Japanese mechanicals in an Italian oh body, they took gosh. a Japanese body and they put like an unreliable, I'll tell you how bad this, this thing was, was to begin with. They started the production line, and at that point, they realized that the engine compartment didn't fit the engines that they were putting into them. 
So, but I mean, those, those you know, you, you figure these are what major the? multinational corporations. How does something like that happen? But they do happen, and that that's kind of the fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, segue perfectly to the Autex Zagato. Yeah. You know. Tell us about that. Yeah. Car. That that is like the per. That's the way it's supposed to happen, right? Right. You know. W- what is that car for? People who don't know, because I didn't know until I saw it. Yeah, so in the late 80s, uh, Nissan wanted to set up a performance, kind of like an AMG, like a mm-hmm. AMG type thing is in Mercedes. So they took the father of the, the Skyline GTRs, the guy who had overseen all the Skyline GTR production going back to Prince, and they started this new division, put him in charge of this new division called Autech. And to kind of to create a halo car to introduce this new thing, they went to Zagato, the coach builder in Italy, mm-hmm. and had them design a car on a Nissan Leopard chassis, which is an F31 chassis. We got those here for a couple of years as the Infiniti M30. But the chassis was modified. It had performance tuning. They took the engine, the engine instead of VG30E, had the VG30DT, uh, uh, dual overhead cam, turbo, and Autec modified. So it's about 320 horsepower. So they had this car with this crazy Zagato body on it, mm-hmm. all aluminum, handmade aluminum, on a Nissan chassis that had been tuned as well as the hot engine, and uh, that was going to be the the halo car for Autech. But it was it's a really kind of a bizarre looking car. It's it's odd. Yeah, but yeah. Sold, they sold new for one hundred sixty thousand oh bucks. It was goodness. right, and it was introduced right at the end of the Japanese bubble economy, right at the beginning of the Japanese bubble economy crashing. Okay. Yep. So. Yep. They, they it was going to be two hundred cars. They ended up selling eighty eight of them. Interesting, interesting because eighty eight is a lucky number in that culture too. But I guess that was well, whatever. I don't know where I'm going with that. It's just yeah. interesting. So yeah, so we I'd been looking for one again through through writing this book. I found out about those. I said, well, we got to find one, and I was lucky to find one. Bought it at uh, the Quail Auction, the Bonhams Quail yep. Auction. A few years ago, yeah, right? in nineteen, I think. Yep. Had it sent home. Took um, it to Radwood. I didn't take it to Radwood. My girls took it. to Oh, Radwood. that's right. You're it, one of those car collectors well, that doesn't go well, to his I, own I, shows I, with I, his own cars. I was out of the. I was out of the country. Okay. <laughs> and wins. I was out of the. That, that's why they won because I wasn't with it. I, I never win anything. But uh, yeah, my my daughters said my, my one daughter lives in the Detroit area. The other one lives in Cleveland. And they said, hey, we're going to take it to Radwood. So, I mean, they put 1,000 miles on it before I even sat in the driver's <laughs> seat of the car. They won, the, they won you know, best to show at Radwood. Yeah, I know. I'm still and, salty. Yeah, yeah, okay. I had a Toyota Century there, an RS2 Avant, and Seascape, of all things. Seascape should have done it. Yeah, I... Did you get any award for I didn't get anything. I was yeah. hoping I at least get, like, best truck, or... They had a Detroit-made category, and I, I will say that the Celine... Uh, SSC Mustang that won that it totally deserved to. Yeah, but uh, SSC is that right? S two eighty one. I was eighty nine. Celine, something rather. I'm C-scape proving my C-scape ignorance. C-scape should have won but, something. You, you should, yeah, you should have been one of those salty, get uh, salty uh, owners. Oh man, yes, one for Myron. I think you're the first guest to earn a. Thank you. Uh, earn a badum. Probably do it myself. All right, we have Austin from Ohio asking if you have any BMV stories. I've got a hundred, but we're going to default yeah. to Myron. Here. Yeah, I really can't talk about BMV story. <laughs> I, I mean, they're, they're. I don't care where what I don't care what state you're in. 
the BMVs suck. I mean, they they really. Ohio's pretty good. I, Austin, are you on with us? I I, I am. Awesome. I was just wondering. Yes. Yes. So, I'm what here. is your pre- pre- specific question? You just want to know if he has any crazy stories from all the cars he's tried to register. Yeah. What's the craziest story of dealing with the uh, Ohio BMV? You know, I think the craziest one I can actually talk about is <laughs> we we found my wife when my wife and I first met. She was kind of she was a closet car person, right? She couldn't admit that she was a car person, but she she knew. So before we got married, she said there are two cars that she wanted. She wanted an Avanti. And she wanted a 928. Mm-hmm. So it took us a while to find the right one. She finally got her supercharged, original Avanti. And it took us years and years and years. But we found a German market first-year 928, mocha brown metallic with gold wheels, brown Pasha. Mm-hmm. Five-speed, 60,000 mm-hmm. original kilometers, the car, right? So we, it was in Germany. We had it sent to Greece and imported from Greece because we had a container coming over. And... You know, it's one of those deals where when you import a car, you can't lie about what you paid for. You got bills of sale. You got tax documents and stuff. So I went to the BMV. I have all my documentation, all my paperwork, and I've imported a fair amount of cars. So I know what I need. So I go to the to the Summit County, the big one, the, the big BMV, which is really close to my shop. Lay out all the paperwork, all all the notarized pieces. I mean, six pieces of paper, everything, all the translated stuff. Yep, yep. And I was there for forty five minutes, and and the girl just she just couldn't. And I, and here I am re- ready to pay her thousands and thousands of dollars worth of taxes, right? And she they love just, saying no, though. Yeah, she just couldn't make it happen for forty five minutes. She just couldn't make it. Well, you know, it, it's Greek here. I said, well, it's English on the right next to it. You so know? it was all Greek to her. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't all Greek. It was only half Greek. But it was all in English. And she, she, I think her final argument was that she couldn't trust that the English translation was accurate to the Greek. What? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, literally, I mean, the, the, I, I don't think I ever paid more tax on a car than, than I would have on this car. So I finally kind of gathered up all the paperwork, and I go to a suburban location, way out in the six. I drove half an hour to the edge of Summit County, laid out all the paperwork again, told her what I wanted to do, and she says, well, seems like you know more about this than I do. Tell me what to do next. <laughs> and I was out of there in five minutes. And the state got their money. Which is the way it should be, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. My my best DMV story, or the one I can think of, because memory is always an issue, was when I moved the dealership to Twinsburg. I went over to the Summit County DMV, and I had had awful experiences with other title bureaus, as has everybody. So I'm walking in there going, okay, I'm going to be here probably every week for the next decade. I need things to go well from the Mm get-go because yeah uh i need their favor so as i'm walking in i was literally praying in my head lord just grant me favor with whoever's here there's nobody in there not a single customer which is odd to begin with and there was four or five clerks there all female and as i'm walking in they're talking full volume about this guy that I guess one of them went out with and they're just, they're ragging on him and, and insulting him and stuff like that. All, all in good fun. And, you know, I just walk in, I stand there at the the beginning of the line and they're all, uh, making jokes about this guy and, and talking smack. And I wait for the perfect pause and I just look at him. I say, 
ladies, come on, I'm right here. And they all laughed, and we were off to a great start. And as I walked out, the lady at the end, as I walked by her booth, she just goes, troublemaker. So it was so smooth did, sailing from there. So did Austin, Austin, you have a reason for asking that question? Austin is gone. He's gone. But yeah, I can understand. Yeah. 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 But uh, thank you for the call, Austin. We appreciate that. Um, yeah. And we ended up, uh, there's like three dealers that they would invite out for happy hours every few months. Oh, cool. So I would actually like go party with the DMV ladies, all, all right. because of that one comment. I who got bought? Off on who the bought? Right foot. Who bought? Uh, the government? Yeah. <laughs> I don't cool. know. No, I don't, it was definitely <laughs> not. A, <laughs> your, your tax dollars at work. <laughs> yeah, right. If only. Uh, Peter Yelko wants to hear the story of Myron's 914 pickup, as do I. Yeah, it's it's a pretty. That's a car I pursued for like fifteen years. Uh, it, I mean, we're on a time frame here, I think. But I, so I, I mentioned Aussie Brothers um, a while ago. They had the Porsche only wrecking yard in Anaheim. Two brothers, Dave and and uh, oh, what was Dave's brother's name? Oh, still around. Anyway, they all they did was tr- Porsches, and then they raced Porsches too, very successfully. So. Uh, in the early 70s, a guy named Dick Troutman, a company called Troutman Barnes, they, they're coach builders. They built mm-hmm. the Scarab race cars, the Chaparral race cars, um, came in, and uh, Aussie had advertised in the Los Angeles Times that weekend a Rec 914.6 for like three grand. So Dick Troutman comes in to buy it. And he comes in, he makes, talks to Dave, and Dave says, what are you going to do with it? He said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it and make it into our shop truck. <laughs> And, awesome. Dave, and Dave says, wow, you know, that's a really good idea. Hey, if I gave you another 914, could you build a shop truck for me while we're doing it? And Troutman says, yeah, paying job, you know, help subsidize the deal. So he, he ended up building the two, uh, the two 914 trucks. And Troutman Barnes used the six-cylinder. Dave Ossie got, got the four-cylinder. It was written up uh, like in VW Trends magazine. It's like, if you look at it, it was originally brown with like gold trim. Now, he they, didn't uh, use a real 914.6, right? He just he had d- a... No, he did. No, no. The, the Troutman car was a 914.6. Yeah, Kevin Jeanette in Florida has that now. That must pain purists. Well, but it was wrecked. <laughs> and they were both wrecked <laughs> yeah, cars. True. Yeah. yeah. It's not so, like... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that that's kind of that's kind of how it ended up, and uh, Aussie kept it for the longest time. They sell they sold it to a really good customer of theirs, who was also a friend of mine, and uh, I bought a lot of cars off my friend, our mutual friend over the years. They, the guy was like the smartest guy ever, right? He went to medical school, kept the same girlfriend for fifty years, and spent all his money on buying Porsches. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> he was like my hero. Keep your woman, but switch cars. <laughs> That's right. So that I tell T-shirt Pete, is available on shopswitchcars.com. <laughs> so he sold it to 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 our mutual friend, and my friend committed to me that I would get it once once he was ready to sell it. Well, a few years later, fast forward like 10 years later, I'm sitting on the couch at the Gooding Auction Amelia Island with friends who own a very large Porsche, a very high-profile Porsche restoration facility and sales business in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to the son, and the dad's on the other side, and the son says, did dad tell you he bought all of so-and-so's cars and, and artwork and everything? I said, well, he didn't buy the 914 pickup, did he? He said, yeah, yeah, we've got the 914 pickup. So, uh, well, that was promised to me. And 
I got the commitment out of the father that if they ever got rid of it, you know, it would come yep. to me. You know, you ask for that all the time. It sure. never comes through. Oh, sure. Well, three years later, I get the call, ready to sell it. And uh, they gave me a number that was much higher than what it was committed to me for, but still very fair. Mm-hmm. Couldn't complain. Great. No problem. Two weeks later, I get a call. Eh, we're really, we decided against it. We're not going to sell it. Oh, yeah. So then a month later, and then, you know, I got kind of mad. Then a month later, I get the call back. Oh, we're ready to sell it now. And, you know, we're sorry that we kind of messed up your plan. So we're going to deliver it for free. We're going to do a carburetor conversion on it. And we're going to detail it so that it's ready for you and bring it up to you, included in the price. So there you go. All is good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a cool car. It's another one of those that, it's going to be a tough one to get away, right? And you still use it as a shop truck. You know, we use it more for gardening. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the payload on a 914 truck isn't, isn't the greatest. Uh, another left turn here. We have a, an anonymous question. Tell us about Continental Sports Cars. Oh. <laughs> um, I, okay, so. Quick background. For people who aren't from Ohio, Continental Sports Cars is this, I don't even know how, where to start with that. It's an, aban- it's an abandoned luxury used car it's dealer. Not, it's that, not abandoned. They're open well, every Saturday from noon to two. Right, in, in accordance with DMV rules, but you can't actually see anybody there. It looks like it was abandoned about 20 years ago. It's like a mini Sultan of Brunei I've got the, the owner's cell phone thing. number in my pocket. Okay, tell us about it. Yeah, it, it was. It's two brothers, two Iranian brothers who came here. Their dad had uh, the Honda. He was the Honda distributor for Iran. Okay. Right at the time that the Shah got overthrown, uh, back in the late seventies, so with the hostage crisis and everything, the, the guys came. The sons came here to Akron U to get an engineering degree, mm-hmm. and they ended up staying here because they couldn't go back because you know it wasn't good to be. Uh, uh, anybody in business, you know, when the Ayatollah was in was in in power, so um, they started a car business because their dad was in the car business, and it was out on State Road in Cuyahoga Falls, called Continental Motors, and they had like three cars, and I had a '64 Porsche 356 C Cabriolet for sale in like the Beacon Journal, and they came out and looked at it, and they wanted to buy it, and we made a deal. I delivered it to them. And the next day, they changed their name to Continental Sports Cars because they had my 356. <laughs> Should have been Continental and, Sports and we Car. Got, and we got to be good friends, and we traded cars back and forth, and then they moved into this new place, well, the, the place where they are now, which was the new place, because yeah. the old place was honestly a shack about the size of half this room. And uh, I think one of the brothers got into some health issues and things like that. I, I, I really don't know the whole story as to why all those, he's got a, a lot full of Radwood cars. Yeah. Just sitting there. Yeah. And uh, tried to buy a couple of them for my kids when they got driver's licenses, but I mean, they were full retail from the time right. they bought them. Right. And he's a friend. So it's such a weird, but there's some good stuff. In, there's some good stuff in the showroom. You know, there's yeah. Ferrari in there, there's a 600 Mercedes in there. There's, there's some stuff. Yeah. And some Mercury. Well, they, like, has anybody bought a car from them in the last 10 years? Yes. Yeah, I, I I asked a mutual friend, and I know that they've sold like two cars in the last year. Wow. Yeah. I tried. I, may, I well, you're, you're I, maybe I was trolling a little bit, but I, I I called them and I actually talked to somebody, and I wanted to go down and look at the cars. And he said, "Well, which one do you want to buy?" I said, "I don't, I don't know. You got a lot of them." 
want to come down and see. Well, which one do you which one are you interested? In? I said all of them. Yeah. He, well, this Saturday isn't very good weather. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna open up. Yeah. I tell people I'm not a good seller. <laughs> These guys are in the dictionary when you say you know when you look up not a good seller. Oh man. Question from Dan. Dan Doucette. What cars did you absolutely hate the moment you got them? You know, hate's a strong word. I, I, it is. I don't hate anything. I don't hate anyone. I don't hate anything. But there is one car that I bought a few months ago that I thought I, I bought a Suzuki X90. And uh, I bought it in Canton and drove it home 24 miles to the shop. And by the time, and it ran flawlessly, no problems with the car. But by the time I got it home, yeah, I kind of didn't like it. Yeah. So fell out of love with it. Yeah, quickly. Did you sell it? You know, I've I sold it on one of the auction sites, and the the high bidder came to his senses and and ghosted me. <laughs> so. So you still have it? I still have it. You want to auction it I, off right now? I got a guy. I, yeah, well, you know, I got a guy in Oklahoma who I Instagrammed me yesterday and and sent me a good offer. So we'll see if he he's supposed right. to call me tomorrow. We'll see. All right, guy from Oklahoma. Yeah, he's gonna buy it. Okay. What is your weirdest car show experience? And you know, it depends what weird is. I most memorable. Oh, you know, I've been to a lot of car shows, and I mean that's not a stop thing, right? I, I mean, I just I go to every kinds of car shows. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I t- showing a car at Pebble Beach for the first time is very memorable. I mean, sure. I don't care who you are if you're showing a car for the first time, and you know, we took the family, we rented a house, we did it right, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, I think my my favorite is. And I wasn't even there. We talked about it. The girls taking the initiative to take the Autech up to Radwood and winning the show. I'll tell you, I was happier about that than any time I've ever shown a car myself. That's cool. So Yeah. And, and it know, is cool how they are interested in cars. Yeah, yeah. It, it's fun, you know. And they, they both married guys who really could give a rat about cars. <laughs> I mean, they really don't, which is okay because we still get to do father-daughter things with cars. I mean, from the time they're little kids... We always had father-daughter missions. We'd go pick up ratty 356s and things. So now now they'll still come to events with us and leave their husbands at home. You know, and the husbands get a little away time, which you know is very yeah. important in a marriage. Oh, for sure. And uh, it's a win-win situation. That's why I started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. So I are you telling me you're watching. cheating with me now? Is that... Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of my wife... <laughs> She says no all the time when I bring up potential weird car purchases. I'm like a wannabe you. I have an oddball, obscure, but small collection. Have you ever, has your wife ever put her foot down to a car purchase, or have you ever used that excuse to get out of a car purchase? No, I'd never use that excuse. Okay. No, I I mean, if I don't want to buy a car, I just tell people I don't want to buy a car or it's too expensive or it's a piece of crap or something. (laughs) I I would never say it's a piece of crap. I would never denigrate somebody's car. But no, I would never use my wife as an excuse. You know what? I I am a little guilty of not always telling my wife in advance about (laughs) about things. (laughs) 
you know, and, and it's usually been pretty good. I, I tell you, the only time I really got in trouble was one time before internet banking stuff when you still got canceled checks. When, when a canceled check came back mm-hmm. on the car, I forgot to tell her. And the purchase price happened to be $3,000 more than we spent for the house. That, that one I probably should have let her, <laughs> should have told her about. But uh, no, you know, there, even when she says no, she always knows it's kind of for the right reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we have always had the, you know, Bill Clinton kind of came up with don't ask, don't tell policy with the military. We kind of have that with cars. You know, our deal was as long as the house was paid for, there was food on the table and tuition was paid for, everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk about cars as investments, so of course somebody should say, well, then don't. But I think when most people come at cars from an investment perspective, they're kind of on the bandwagon of, well, we've seen these astronomical returns lately, so I'm going to jump on what's popular. I don't think anyone could ever accuse you of being a bandwagon car guy because you buy cars that people don't care about yet and or have never heard about. However, over time, you've got the overhead, you've got a mechanic, you've got the building, insurance, upkeep, Mm -hmm. all this different things. You have probably been more of a smart buyer than anybody else because you're buying, you're not buying into hype, you're buying what you want. With all of that said, do you think they've been a good quote-unquote investment? Or do you not keep track because you don't care? I never keep track of overhead. Okay, it's just you know that's just the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. The investment a hundred percent, but not monetary investment. Happiness, you know, I love the, it. The, the the contacts that we have made, the friends that we have made. Like we traveled to Retromobile in Paris every year with friends from around the world that we've made in the car hobby. Um, my kids. You know, they'll go to any car. They'll go to Redwood or Pebble Beach or Amelia, and they'll see people that they've been, you know, hanging out with for the last 20 years. So it's the, the investment awesome. is, is personal growth and personal satisfaction. Everybody take, like, record that, put a clip there. That is, that is the tagline of cars are an investment in personal growth and personal satisfaction, not from a monetary perspective. Thank you. I really love that answer. I was not... I was not asking to troll you. I was asking because I think I knew that you were going to have the right answer. <laughs> but you know what? If I can make some money on a car, it doesn't piss me <laughs> off either. So, <laughs> Porsche 901, Cabriolet. <laughs> well, yes, How many it, cars? Oh, there's a question. How many cars <laughs> did the 901 Cabriolet pay for? You know, at the time, you could still do the, the 1031 exchange with right. cars, right? Right. So... I think I bought 24 cars <laughs> with... with with that, yeah. you were forced to. Well, you know, no, really? I could have bought one, right? Well, no, I, I know, but <laughs> yeah. you had to. So, I mean, it was bad. I, I used I used the guy. He's a CPA and an attorney, tax attorney out of Oregon. He writes a column for Sports Car Market, mm-hmm. but he specializes in these ten thirty one exchanges because it's a really complicated thing. You have to, you know, send them. You, you can't you can't receive the money. It has to go to a third party, and mm-hmm. they have to write the checks and everything. So he quoted me how much. Very fair to do the deal. But once I got to like close to 20 cars, he called me up. He said, you know, I really wasn't expecting this many transactions. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm going to have to charge him more money. And I think he charged me like 2000 bucks more. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I had a question. I forgot it. But we're going to go to 
what I think is is maybe the toughest question, but the most interesting question, the closing question, I think it is. JT Squared asked, if you could only drive one car from your collection for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? This is like the automotive equivalent of the desert island question. Okay, so I'll answer that question, but that question, and I, I kind of alluded to this, to yeah. her. Uh, you know, that, 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 this answer that I'm going to give you right now is a tonight answer. <laughs> Ask me tomorrow morning, and it may be something totally different. Which is why you have 80 cars. Yeah, right. And, and that's the beauty. Is each one is a totally different experience. Yeah. So which one, you know, if I had to drive it the rest of my life, I could only drive it the rest of my life. I, I think it, like right now, it would be the Autech Zagato. Mm. It's rare. It's unique. It it may not be beautiful to everyone's eyes, but I think it's great looking. It's comfortable. It's fast. It does everything well. You know, I really that it, to me it ticks all the boxes, and it, it didn't break the bank to buy it. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's a really cool car, and it's probably easy to use. Oh, man, turn the key. It yeah. starts. Yeah. There's something to be said for that, especially in a world of oddball cars that have oddball problems and difficult parts to find, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, two days ago, I'd probably said the Country Squire because I had that, that was driving <laughs> the Country Squire it. for a day. Gotcha. Okay, so I, I think in we've gotten a, a, a like a peek into your collection, but it's hard to imagine the scope of it, and I don't want you to list out all 80 cars you have, but just to kind of get an idea of the diversity of your collection, give me a rundown of like 10 of your favorites or 10 of the most diverse ones to give a picture of what you have. Um, well, you know, I really don't have favorites, but just kind of the diversity I, I have. Well, I, I think I mentioned the Mavea Robin, which is a Greek made Reliant Robin, a three wheeled, uh, Greek-made, British-engineered car. In the States, I have a car called the Davis Devon, a 1948 three-wheeler, largest three-wheeled car ever made. Um, made 16 of those. We have a 36 Lincoln uh, V12 uh, Brunn-bodied uh, town car, one-off one body style, um, two-cylinder Deutsche Bonnets, a CD Panard, only one in the States, which is a real streamlined car with a... It was a homologation car that uh, for a car that won Le Mans in '62. Uh, um, yeah, the four the four twenty eight cubic inch uh, Country Squire. Um, you know, it, you go through the garage. Well, the the Paxton Phoenix. It's a one off uh, concept car made uh, by the Paxton Supercharger people mm-hmm. in the early '50s. Uh, road track cover car from April '57. You know, uh, one car that I'm really, really proud of that is kind of one of the last few cars that I bought, but it's kind of planted the seed for me. I bought a a Hyundai Stellar, Hyundai Stellar Executive, which is Hyundai's first luxury car. It wasn't even sold in this market. You know, Hyundai started as a licensee to build Ford products in Korea and then eventually transitioned into being their own manufacturer. And uh, the Stellar was kind of in that transition period. The Stellar is the body's designed by Gijaro, kind of a boxy, typical Gijaro mm-hmm. 80s, but it's got a Mitsubishi uh, engine, and it rides on a Ford Cortina chassis, all from the factory. But uh, it was a Canadian-only market car. It's got 
all the bells and whistles that you could get in 86. Pretty crappy car, but <laughs> amazingly well-preserved. Pre and, it, you know, I'm not going to say you heard it here, but just like Japanese cars became something 10 years ago, I mean, you look at the quality of Kia and Hyundai and mm -hmm. Genesis now, at some point, cool Korean cars are going to be in demand. And so we're kind of seeking the stuff out. And I bought this thing on cars and bids for like three grand. And it's an amazing car. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that right now, even though it's a $3,000 car. So I guess I, the, the moral of the story is I'm no different a bottom feeder today than I was 50 years ago. <laughs> but, you, but you buy good bottom feeder stuff. Well, I, I wouldn't say, you know. Well, but... It, Everything you've described to me, for the most part, is a rust-free example, a nice example, an original oh, yeah. example. Yeah. Like you might be buying cheap or underappreciated cars, but they're good stuff. Well, yeah, or or one-off stuff. I mean, I bought a car. I've got a car under restoration in Greece that was started life as a Frua-bodied BMW concept car in '75, and then it went back to Frua in '78 and became a cutting-edge electric car in 78, 79, it was highly marketed. It was like a Tucker thing. The guy went to jail, the whole deal, raised millions of dollars. But probably the most beautiful electric car ever built until like the Tesla Model S was, was uh, introduced. And, uh, but we found that car in a scrap yard in Incline Village, Nevada. And I bought it for scrap value. It was aluminum body. Wow. <laughs> we bought it for scrap value and I had to get out of there in three days because the guy was gonna crush it. Even even though he had my money, he was still going to crush it. And it cost me like three times what I paid for the car just to get it yeah. out of the yard to yeah. get to Ohio. So, yeah, that car was a horrible car. And that car is like five years in restoration right now <laughs> with no end in sight. So, yeah, either the best examples, if they're out there, or if it's a one-off car, you buy what you get. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you, Myron. Um, yeah, I, we barely touched the tip of the iceberg of your car knowledge and your car collection, but it's, it's tough to do. It would, I mean, it takes hours just to walk around your warehouse to absorb everything that's there, let, let alone try to, to talk about it. So well, thank, thanks for listening to, yeah. to, to my insanity for, <laughs> for this time. And sure. I, and I want to put a little plug into Go which for a, it. a friend and I just uh, finished a book on Japanese cars. We don't think anyone's ever done a great book on, uh, on Japanese cars in the English language. So what started out as kind of a 300-page book ended up being a five-volume, 1,400-page, 2,500-image. Yeah, but it's a box set uh, going to print as we speak. Uh, we had Richard Barron put it together. Richard Barron was the art director for Road and Track for okay. 30 years. He He's the art director for um, Porsche Panorama now, mm -hmm. also did the, the Hurley book, the Luftgegolt books, the Rensport books. So it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Thanks in no part to me. But uh, uh, when will it be released? Well, and where right now can the, people the, get the printers it? telling us uh, prob because of all the supply chain issues and sure. stuff. Probably six months. Okay. But it'll be. Uh, we think it'll be the first truly beautiful book and informative book on on Japanese cars in the English language. Okay. We're taking a flyer here because it's not going to be a cheap book. And you That's know, all right. expensive books on Japanese cars are kind of we're going to be kind of pioneers <laughs> in the market here. So so start saving your money now so you can buy this expensive Where will book. it be available? Uh pretty much everywhere. Okay. We're going to try not to do what Amazon. What will it be called? It's called a quiet greatness. A quiet greatness. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. So look that up. Set up your RSS feed, Google Alerts, whatever, so you can you can buy that when it's available. Um, cool. Thank you for being on, Myron. My uh, people can find you on Instagram. Junkman356. Junkman356. Um, on Twitter. Or your home phone number is? No. Yeah. <laughs> the address to I, your warehouse. Listen, I'm 66 years old. I do have a home phone, okay? <laughs> um, do you ever open your warehouse up to the public or for car events or anything like that? It, it, just for friends. But, you know, okay. listen, if, if you call me or you contact me through Instagram or Twitter or something like that, yeah. No, yeah. No one's tried to kill me yet, so <laughs> not, not an issue. So if you want to see a, a, a Matra, is that your three-seat car? The yeah, Matra? it's gone. I sold it. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, never mind. Uh, yeah. You can't see a Matra. Well, I take that back. I still do have a <laughs> I do still have a Matra. It's just not there. The other one. Yeah, the other one. Oh, my gosh. What were we talking about earlier about losing yeah, track? Yeah, yeah. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Office, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our Switch Cars dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save a whopping 25.39% at checkout. Celebrity Machines and Switch Cars are proud to sponsor my entry into the inaugural Backyard 400 coming in April of 2022. The Backyard 400 is a yard cart race around Travis Bell's third mile paved walking trail. I happen to be the current standing start track record holder in the six and a half horse 2004 Dodge Mini Ram. And if it was top gear, we put a note on it that it was at dusk with no visibility, just in case anyone beats that time during the day. Or with a fuel cell, or spotters, or stickier tires, or on race gas, or with a helmet, or any other excuse that I use for me being slower than somebody else. So check out the Backyard 400 coming in April of 22. So now we go to props and flops. <clears throat> this is a fun one for me. Uh, the flop of the week is from the Excellence Magazine Porsche's Buyer's Guide from last year. Excellence is supposed to know everything about Porsches, right? In the 996 section, yep, 996 section starts here and ends over here. They have a photo of the 997 GT3 in Porsche's Excellence Buyer's Guide. That's right. That's how you know you're buying a Porsche 996 because it looks like a 997. Thank you, Excellence Magazine. The prop of the week, also from Excellence, well, it isn't actually Excellence. It's my friend Tyler Sanders, who probably follows you in the sense of not being a bandwagon car guy nobody likes a bandwagon car guy even though that's most of of cars and coffee nowadays but uh he bought an aventure in green 968 because he wanted one he also bought a dark teal is dark teal metallic 996 before those were cool uh he liked the cleveland browns before they were cool too so like six months ago um Anyway, so he bought an Aventure in Green 968 before they were cool. He bought it because he wanted one. He thought they were cool, and he loved the color. And then it was on the cover of of, of, of the Excellence magazine. So props to Tyler Sanders for being a cool car guy and buying it 
before the inevitable, uh, you know, appreciation. Thanks to uh, thanks to its feature there. So, okay. So we've already asked you uh, where people can find you. It's Junkman three fifty six. Again, my guest was Myron Vernus. He is a eclectic car collector aficionado and uh, is responsible for in uh, passing along the passion to lots and lots of car enthusiasts through his knowledge and shared experience and his willingness to take cars out to car shows and, and all sorts of things. So we're grateful to him uh, for his contribution to the car community. So again, thanks to my co-host, our sponsors, GT Vault, Boxcast, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking, who made this amazing desk for us. And our producer, call screener, Ethan Huffnagel. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. with a special live broadcast from California. I'm not going to reveal why, but it's going to be pretty awesome. And we'll look forward to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life. 